soldier girl who's raising the future who like kind of punches first sometimes when she's learning how to be a leader because she's been put into this position that she never asked to be in and has to be that leader to people and like live up to their vision yeah that makes sense why i don't like her <laughs> i don't know why she's cora cora's a lot more capable than that Cora, uh, Cora isn't nearly no. Cora, Cora isn't nearly the kind of MacGuffin that Hope Summers is. Well, not in the not. Everybody, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Another Relaunch. I am Benet Dupari, aka Exodus, oh. the Omega Levels of Kinetic, and uh, one of my one of my favorite characters. How are you? Who are you? Well, we gonna talk about that, but I'm fine, and I am. You said you hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be Hope Summers this week. She had a moment. Uh, she did. She had some. I'm and sure I, we'll discuss that later, though. <laughs> we will. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Um, it's finally hot in DC, and the sun is out. It's a little too hot, though. It's like 95 degrees outside right now. And so. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I don't, you know, for anyone who's never been to the District of Columbia, um, it gets very humid here. Like DC is a swamp land. And so when it gets hot, it gets humid and it is not fun. So it's like people are like, oh, let's go out. Are we going out? We, you know, where are we going? I'm like, I'm not leaving my AC. Okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. So it's always one extreme. It's either cold and raining or it's very hot. Yeah. I, um, the weather here has been kind of gloomy. Like it's been cloudy. It's not like super sunny LA. <laughs> it's been like 60 degrees all week. It's not been cute. So I'm hoping like soon, maybe after this next holiday, it'll be like, you know, bright and sunny and stuff. I'm ready to hit the streets. I I, do, I will say I am ready to hit the streets. So it's like, you know, my birthday's coming up. So I'm going to be outside for that at least. I mean, you just got those Hoochie Daddy shorts you told us about last week. Yeah, I'm I sure it's that, that weather is hitting. So now you can let, let the people see. <laughs> I bought some more and they're like really cute. There was one pair I was kind of worried about. I was like, I don't know. These might be a little too tight, but (laughs) 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 you know, but I like took some pictures and I I sent them to a few friends and I was like, hey, give me some input on these. And everybody's like, yes, they're small, but they're supposed to be. That's the point. I was like, (laughs) so that's where we are. Okay, that's good. I, um, oh my gosh. Quick aside, let me just say this. Okay. Um, I may have said this on the show, I may have said this on the show before, but I'm gonna say it again. So, like, people out there, if you're listening and you want to hang out with me, you know, and you're a male, <laughs> <laughs> don't have to pretend to like comics. <laughs> I promise. Like, <laughs> you, like you can just say you like Storm. So let me tell you. Oh, like I'm a Storm fan. 
<laughs> met this guy, super cute. We kick it, whatever. I think I think the same thing happened to me already before. So maybe there's a pattern here. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it was like he was like, oh, I think you're really cute, and we start talking about comic stuff, and I'm like, yeah, great, okay, cool, another nerd. I'm like, okay, well, cool. Your favorite characters? He said, yo, yo I really love Storm. Cool. Are you liking Regent Storm? I start talking about like, you know, she's really cool right now. Um, she's got this great stuff going on. He was like, oh, I didn't know any of that. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, what about like Krakoa and stuff like that? Uh, I don't like know any of that. He was like, I just really like Storm because like her powers and stuff. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, her powers are cool, but you have to do all of that. Like <laughs> you could have just said that from the beginning. You'll just be like, no, but I like Storm because of her power. So, you know, I think, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Well, I mean, you kind of dodged the bullet. A lot of Storm fans are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I heard. Sure <laughs> but you know who's worth a Gene fan? <laughs> <laughs> That's something. What happened to fun? I think that whole conversation like the, for those who don't know there was like a conversation about the comic queens and <laughs> someone posted a picture with Jean Grey in it and it's like a sneak it was it was a bit of a sneak yes uh, and it was like oh who were the you know the top three Mm-hmm. Wonder Woman, Storm, and Jean, and one of them just not fitting with the other ones. She did. She don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. And like, and like, in all serious, you know, I'll never take away the Dark Phoenix saga for Jean. That was like a great story that like did change fiction in the way a lot of people see female characters in life and like what it did about like the lady going kind of crazy and killing people. Like, yeah. But that don't mean she's top three. <laughs> that, was, that was 40 years ago. <laughs> hey. A lot of girls do a lot of things in that amount of time. Yeah. You know? And like I said, hard, like DC characters, in my opinion, just it. Like they have like solo titans. Like their characters are just it. It just is what it is. And that's okay. I'm not even a hard, I'm not even like a Harley Quinn stand like that, but like I don't even like Harley. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta give it to her. <laughs> like I don't ever like, you know, I've never read, like the girls' books are terrible. They're bad. They sell, they sell though. Her they books sell are like much. They sell very well. But like anytime I've ever heard like read a book myself, I didn't enjoy it, and then I always hear other people talking about how they don't enjoy it, and so I'm just like, mm-hmm. you know, how? But I'm always like, how is it keeps like. Being a top seller every month, though. What did they, what they call it? DC, DC's fourth pillar. That's what they call her. And then Margot Robbie really just took it out there because I mean, you got the queen. <laughs> sorry, she won. Harley really won. That was some good casting. That was very great casting. Mm. That really like cemented her with that fourth pillar status. To be honest, like Harley. And it like made it so that you think that Harley's hot. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and get straight into the updates of the week. And first up, uh, Marvel Comics is losing the rights to Conan. Uh, Not necessarily losing, they're kind of letting it lapse. So people didn't know, you know, Conan the Barbarian, the Barbarian, 
he is the you know the guy with the sword from the ancient times. He is actually owned by a a publishing company called Heroic Signatures, and currently Marvel would own. They had licensed the rights to use him in their comics, but now they are letting the license go back to Heroic Signatures. Now, what I find interesting about this is. Um, just this past week, Savage Avengers came out, and he's like <laughs> the main character. So I'm gonna be interested to see how they kind of write him out of this, or kind of move him away from this Avengers team and from Marvel itself, um, because they will no longer be able to use him. I know for a while there were some older Avengers books that they were trying to get up on Marvel Unlimited, but because Conan was in them, they couldn't. Uh, post them and, and upload them because of the rights and stuff. So um, what I found interesting about this was there's a lot of comic book characters who are who have deals like this where they're actually owned by a specific publishing company, usually the creator, um, and then they're being licensed out to other characters. You know, do actually a lot of DC characters in the beginning were being licensed by DC until they like eventually like bought them and the movie, you know, Billy Batson, Shazam, and all that kind of stuff. Like, there were characters who they ended up buying. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with Conan after this. If they end up replacing him or trying to, like, buy something else. Say that again? I said, I don't think I've ever read a story with him. Conan? Me neither. I, that's not my vibe. But I know that he also sells very well. I think all of the Marvel books that he's been in, I kind of have avoided because he's in them. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to read about Conan. <laughs> Can't we replace him with, like, Kazar? Uh, oh, I, I, like, I like him. He used to Same. have the X-Men. He was cool. Yeah, every time they go to the Savage Land, you gotta he pops up with his bring up Kazar. Thing. You know, and his, his lion, I don't, Sheba, I may have made that name up. I don't <laughs> know if that's right. <laughs> Isn't that his girlfriend's name? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I have no. Clue. I mean, yeah, they succeed, but I feel like if they used him in place of Conan, we would know these things. I would, yes. Period. I would prefer that. I know his girlfriend's name was Shanna. I knew that. Shanna oh. the She Devil. Yes, her. Yes. She- I don't know what his uh his little cat's name is though. Yeah, the teeth, right? Yeah. Um, Saber to Tiger. Saber to Tiger. Yes. Um, see, we know some secrets. Kazar's got it. Maybe. <laughs> Zabu. That's his name. Oh. I don't know where I got Sheba from. I made that up. <laughs> made that Sorry. up. <laughs> um, well, so who's going to make Conan comics now? Uh, now they will be going to the publisher, back to the publisher, uh, Hero Publishing, and they're going to do his, their own comics, I guess. They probably just, instead of licensing him out, I think the publisher is just going to create their own, like, Conan comics. Okay. They probably just saw, you know, he sells over at Marvel. We might as well just Take him back. do it ourselves. <laughs> Take him back. If you're a Conan fan, let us know how you feel about it. Let us know if you're going to... And if yeah. you like Conan in any of the Marvel books, if you'd recommend them. Yeah, let us know. Especially Savage Avengers. Like, I don't really know what's happening over there. But I know Spectrum was in 
um, that for a while, I think. And I think Wiccan? No, you're thinking of Strike Force. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no. Savage Avengers and Static <laughs> and Dr. Voodoo and um, Wolverine was in it for a bit. I think Electra was in it. Or no, she was in like a previous version, maybe. She's in this new one, I think, with yeah. uh, Dagger, Cloak and Dagger. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay, we'll see. So this past week, they had uh, put out the Eisner Award nominations. Mm. And for those who don't know, the Eisners are like, you know, the Grammys of comic books or the Oscars of comic <laughs> books. And um, I wanted to go over some of the nominations. I won't go through all of them because this is a pretty long list. But of course, like anything else, when we talk about these subs, there's a link that I can provide. Check below. And it's there. So... Um, there was the best single issue or one shot, which must be able to stand alone. Mm-hmm. And the nominees were Marvel Voices, Identity Number One, Mouse Guard, The Owl and Caregiver, and Other Tales, Nightwing 87, um, Wolven Daughter, and Wonder Woman Hysteria, uh, the Amazons. Come on, Amazons. That's what I'm talking about. Shout that out. was a pretty stacked list. And shout out to um, Marvel Voices. I think that it's really great that those like kind of uh, very specific stories are being like recognized. Yeah, that was, that was a good one to have on there. Um, I want the Amazons to win. They've got my back. Here. You always want the Amazons to win. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> okay, for best continuing series, we have uh, Bitterroot, The Department of Truth, Immortal Hulk, Nightwing, and something is killing the children. Ooh, that's a stacked category right there. Bitterroot, if you've never read Bitterroot, guys, like, please go and read it. It's a really great story from uh, Dave Walker and, like, Sanford Green. It deals with, like, a time-traveling, well, they're not necessarily time-traveling, but this family who, like, fights demons, supernatural horror kind of crime stuff, investigative. It's really good, amazing art. It has, like, its whole mythology and history that it's created in this vast world. It's supposed to be a TV series, I believe, that's going to be um, produced by Regina King. So, oh yes, that one thing. Um, but also having a Mortal Hulk in there is like, wow, what a moment! Yeah, it's like tough stack cast. And then so I've, I, I personally haven't read There's Something Killing the Children, but I've heard nothing but fantastic things about it. Yeah, um, for best limited series, we have Beta Ray Bill, mm. The Good Asian, Hocus Pocus, The Many Deaths of Layla Star. Mm. Stray Dogs, and Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. Mm. You know, for people to claim they don't like Tom King, he be uh, doing the damn thing. He does. I mean, I I didn't mind Tom King. I liked his Batman. Um, I didn't. And I see he's still getting nominated for stuff. It was pretty good. Um, I love that they nominated the mini dance of Layla Starr. Shout out to that book i really enjoyed it it was such a interesting story and um i wanted more of it <laughs> honestly like i wanted it to keep going yeah um let's see Beta ray bill and layla star has, has there ever been a uh a tie in the eisner i actually think there has been before we might have to yeah again because <laughs> and Beta ray bill both deserve i'm sorry 
Yeah, I think that I didn't read Beta Ray but I do remember the, I remember there being a lot of people on my timeline talking about how good it was and that just how. What a book. What a book. I need a sequel. Yeah. Um, now we have Best Writer nominations, and they are Ed Brubaker, King. Kelly, Sudeconic, Kelly Sudeconic, Felipe Melo, Ram V, and James Tinian. Tinian? Tinian? I apologize if I said that wrong. I'm very happy for Ram V. Yeah, he's great. Like, that's got to feel really He's really great. Damn, yeah. so stacked. And shout out to Kelly Sue. They could have nominated another woman, but. Uh, <laughs> no. Whatever. <laughs> Just saying. Um, uh, we, there is also Best Penciler uh, slash Inker. They kind of combine them together. Or Penciler Inker Team. And we have uh, Felipe Andrade, who did The Many Deaths of Layla Star. Phil Jimenez for the Wonder Woman Historia, Bruno Redondo and Nightwing, Isad Ribic for Eternals, and uh, P. Craig Russell for Norse Mythology. These are, that's also a pretty stacked nomination nominees, and I I know Bruno Redondo is like one of my favorite souls, <laughs> so like I do think he's great. But also Phil and that Wonder Woman Historia issue was like. Yeah. That was pretty yeah, iconic. It was like so stylistic and like Exactly. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's Time pretty for good. Way to, I don't know. Those were some good comics that come. You know, shout out to the comic book creators cuz they've been doing the damn thing sometimes. Like these They have. They have. And when they're good, they are like really 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 good. Talented people. And going back going back through these nominations is really reminding just how talented a lot of these people are uh so best cover artist um we have jen bartell uh david mack bruno redondo alex ross uh julian totino and yoshi yoshitani also a great stacked list uh jen bartell you know she's been doing the she hulk stuff right now david mack is he did norse mythology at dark horse bruno redondo nightwing Alex Ross, everyone knows his, his painted styles for the Black Panther, Captain America, uh, Iron Man books. Uh, Julian Sotino did Just Beyond and Monstrosity at Boom. And the uh, Yoshi Yoshitani did I Am Not Starfire. I think that's the book about when like a Starfire had a random daughter, I think. I'm not sure, but I do know the, I remember the covers for the series. Oh, that's weird. Was it her kid with Nightwing? Yeah, it was like, no, not that one that everybody like is obsessed on the internet. <laughs> this was like some other girl. Uh, it was like an Elseworld story. Oh, uh, have you? Not, have you, are you not, not Mari, not Mari Grayson. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> She's hot. I love that the internet has like created a whole like thing for for, for her. <laughs> um, she's the doll. She definitely needs to be made canon for sure. Alright, and um, last up that we'll discuss is best coloring, and we have Felipe Andrade, Terry Dodson, Kay O'Neill, Jacob Phillips, and Matt Wilson. 
Mm, I'm a I'm a Matt Wilson treat though. He deserves. Agreed. Same. I also really enjoy Matt Wilson's colors. Um, and Felipe Andrade and Anise Amaro, they did the minute they saw Layla Star, and I thought those colors were also really great. So mm. uh, check out the these the winners for the Eisner Awards come out during Comic Con during the summer. So check back later when we'll probably discuss who won the mm. Eisners. Yes. Now there were also some solicits that came out this past week. We got some Marvel solicits, and uh, you know, there's a lot of Judgment Day coming in August. There is a lot of Judgment Day. How do you feel about like crossovers that have that many extra titles that come with them? Um, I think back in the day, I would have been a little bit more inclined to read it all. And like make sure mm-hmm. I'm buying everything and like getting it and keeping up with it and like kind of being able to have a conversation. Um, but I think now that as I've gotten older, I realize like that's not something that I necessarily need to do because again, I think we've talked about it all the time, but we don't consume comics the same way that we used to when we were kids. So, you know, I've got Marvel Unlimited, I've got DC Infinite, I have like other ways to read it at a later time. I already have a very big pool list. I don't necessarily need to add anything because as we all know, comics are expensive. And yes, so it's just kind of like, oh, okay, but I'm also paying for the service. So I was like, I'm going to use the service. So I've, exactly. That's what I'm paying for. <laughs> a lot of stuff for Judgment Day. So it's like, I don't necessarily feel like I have to keep up with everything. I don't feel like they have to be kept up with the same way that people do anymore. I think if you want to, because I'm whatever, like go for it. But I'm not doing it. So August will bring about Judgment Day number four, and we'll see a bunch of different tie-ins in for Judgment Day, like Death to the Mutants and um, X-Men Red as a tie-in. I think all of the X-Books are have a tie-in, or that issue that would normally come out will be a Judgment Day tie-in. Again, I my excitement for Judgment Day has been kind of quelmed recently. <laughs> um, and we'll talk about that later, I'm sure, when we get into the comics. But I am excited for the Fantastic Four issue that comes out in August because it will be a Sue Storm-focused issue. So that'll be hype for me. And any of, anyone else out there who's a Sue Storm fan, um, Marvel also has a lot of Fortnite crossovers that are coming in august if anyone is a big fortnite fan i do play fortnite so check me out on playstation actually they cross a platform so we can play together um maybe i do have a couple different costumes but are fun it's fun you know a nice little shooter also also coming in august is amazing fantasy number 1000 now this is the 60th anniversary of peter parker spider-man and uh, there will be huge, I'm sure people have seen recently that there were going to be this announcement coming from uh, Marvel about some amazing thing that they were going to do. And this was it. They have uh, Neil Gaiman, uh, Jonathan Hickman, Dan Slott coming back to write. Um, Rainbow Rowell will also have some writing in it. And uh, Jim Chong, Olivia Coppell, Michael Cho doing some different variant covers. This is going to be a pretty big rollout for, you know, arguably the most popular superhero in the world. See, that's true. Uh, 
you know, I got to figure out how to get my girl around him. Which one? Lorna. Oh. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Maybe she could become an amazing friend. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> it's, how, it's how you blow up. <laughs> Lorna and Spider-Man. I can see it. That wouldn't yeah, work. You wouldn't even like it. She would be in the streets. So? It's Spider-Man. <laughs> My God, that would catapult her. It would. I was looking back at some of her older stuff when she was with X Factor back in the 90s, and that team was everywhere. And that made me realize that's why I think her X Factor days are known well, because like X Factor used to pop up in Incredible Hulk and Captain America. They also had a crossover with Spider Man. So, like, mm. you miss it. If you get around those, if, no, well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so we also have some other uh, X books that are not tying into the uh, Judgment Day, and then we have Exterminators number two coming out uh, by Leia Wims and Carlos Gomez, and it looks as though Wolverine Laura will be on this team, which makes me wonder: Will she be leaving the X Men? Um, the solicit for this says four deadly women, X women, find themselves held captive and fighting for their lives, and more importantly, fight to get revenge on the fucking dead man who did this to them. I assume that's what, it bleeped out the curse word, but I'm assuming that's what it meant. <laughs> and um, I'm assuming if Laura is on this team, that she's probably not going to be on the X-Men, unless they, you know, give her the Wolverine treatment, where she Wolverine could be, <laughs> be anywhere. Yeah, no, I feel that. Um, I don't know. I have to buy the book regardless. I don't want that to go to flop, so... Uh, we have them with that one. I won't be pretending in that. If everybody <laughs> can just, like, take one for the team and buy the four issues... Is this a four-issue mini, does it say? This is a five-issue mini. Just buy the five <laughs> issues. <laughs> That's a long time. <laughs> so we can just move on. All right? Or... How about we they just like post art and stuff and ask for a Dazzler solo? Or the sales might help. I don't know. You know, sometimes sometimes sales don't always mean they learn the lesson that should be learned <laughs> from that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. But because that book could sell really well and that would mean, oh, people want to see this team together. Yeah. I know, but sometimes you just gotta like get through the motion. Speaking of, Knights of X number five will also be coming out. <laughs> and this will be written by Teeny Howard with art by Bob Quinn. And uh, yeah, looks like the cover has Betsy on the cover sitting on a throne with her cool sword. Saturnine and Merlin are next to her and people are bowing down. The cover looks really cool. The solicit says Merlin has finally tapped into full-blown malice. He sent his furies on a campaign across the realms to burn everything in sight. And only those who swear to filthy to the Mad King will be spared. But this is still hope. But there is still hope. A bargain between a powerful new ally and the Knights of X may just secure the Siege Perilous and the future of Avalon. Elsewhere, Saturnine forges an alliance with a former enemy. But trust is a fickle thing. Will these new allegiances bring triumph or ruin for the mutants of Otherworld? Um, 
Are you excited for what's going to be happening with Knights of X in August? No. Looks like they're going to be missing Judgment Day, so they're not going to be tied into that. Um, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, <laughs> moving forward, um, there were the finale of X-Men 92, uh, House of 92, if anyone was reading the kind of Krakoan version of the 90s X-Men, the finale would be happening then. There's a new Mutants issue coming in August that looks like there's going to be a new writer on the book, at least for this issue. Uh, Danny Lore will be writing New Mutants 29, and it looks like there's going to be some team-ups with... Uh, I almost called him by his code name, <laughs> Akihiro and, and James Proudstar, while they go look for Gabby and Karma yeah. and uh, some other really cool stuff. Also, there's a bunch of team ups coming from Marvel uh, this August, like X Men and Moon Girl or Ms. Marvel and Moon Knight. It looks like they're trying to get some fun stuff for people to kind of see those characters together. Um, yeah, so check out those August solicits from Marvel. I'm Looking forward to some of the stuff that they've got going on, but we'll see. I don't know. I was really hyped for Judgment Day, but I don't know. Every time I see a solicit for it, it says the exact same thing as the last one. And I think that's just kind of like what's not interesting to me about it. Because then I understand you don't want to give everything away in the solicits. But at the same time, it's like you want me to be excited for something. You're just saying nothing. And it's like, okay, cool. I don't really care about too many of the characters involved or who it's supposed to be about. So it's just like... It's there, but it's mm-hmm. all event, and it's, so it's like I think I don't have to think about it or care about it in the same way that I would if this was a regular ongoing series. An event's going to be an event; it's going to sell, and we're going to get more of them. So just take it. Yeah, time. yeah. I hope it brings some fun action stuff. I love a fun summer event. So. And I was gonna say, if anything, like we'll get some nice little power feats from people. I saw um the artist tweeting already he was like oh i just drew another x-men getting killed for the third time so okay they're really gonna be out there fighting and stuff so we'll see yeah okay over on the dc side they released their solicits for august and we have some interesting stuff going on over there um batman number 126 written by chip zadarsky and art by jorge jimenez and um, Chip will be uh, joining Batman, which means I'm probably going to jump back into Batman, or at least try to catch up. Um, so are you a fan of Chip Zdarsky and his books? Oh, yeah. I love Chip. Chip, so, like, the first thing that I ever read from Chip was this um, indie comic that used to come out, like, years, years ago. It was called Captara, and I thought it was, like, one of the most interesting books that I had ever read in my entire life. And so I was, like, instantly a fan, and then I think from ever since then, anything I've read from him, I enjoyed. The only thing I didn't read, I didn't like from him was that um, X-Men Fantastic Four crossover. I did not like that either. That was the only thing I didn't like from him either. I didn't care for that, but anything else I've ever read from him, he is like one of the only people who I've been like, I might subscribe to his Substack because he did a sequel to the Captar series on that. And like, I've actually seen him post like pictures and panels of it saying like, oh, this is the Captar stuff. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm also a fan of his. I used to read some of his indie stuff like Sex Criminals back in the day. Um, and obviously, I was into his Daredevil, so I'm definitely going to check out his Batman. 
Um, we also have Detective Comics uh, 1063 coming, which is going to be written by Ram B and art by Rafael Albuquerque. I pronounced it right. Apologies if I didn't. And uh, yeah, it looks like the Bat books are getting a, a shakeup as far as the writers go. And I'm sorry. You can say what you want to, but Batman sells. So like, <laughs> that's just where the people are gonna go when when they want to write something. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to say for it. I don't read many of the Bat books, so it doesn't really affect me. <laughs> right. I don't know. I'll be checking those. I'll be checking those like out. People, coming I feel August. like for the last few Batman runs that I've been hearing about, people seem to enjoy them. They've been great. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, do they feel like the shakeup is a bad thing? No, I think people just when you see these like really great writers coming on announcing that they're going to be doing something at DC, people are wondering, oh, well, what is what book is it going to be? Instead of just assuming it's always going to be a Batman book, you know. Um, so oh, if you see someone announce like, "Oh yeah, Chip Zarki is coming over to DC," and then he people would wonder, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just doing a Batman book. <laughs> I, can, I guess I can understand that, but I mean, I think with there, I remember some stuff like that happened when Ramby announced that he was going to be doing Detective Comics, and like everybody was like, "Oh my God, it's another Batman book," blah blah blah, and Ram was just like, "You know, I'm gonna write what I want to write." And, and so I think it's going to be a thing where, yes, we'd all love for like writers to write our favorite characters sometimes, but the truth of the matter is they just don't want to. Some. Sometimes they really just don't want to. Um, we have Dark Crisis continuing in August. Dark Crisis number three will be out then. I believe it's a five issue mini or six issue mini. Oh, sorry. No, it's a seven issue. You know, um, you know how we were just talking about Mari Grayson. Yeah. They should bring her in for Dark Crisis. Now that'd be kind of hot. Right. But just from another universe or something. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. See, they're all, like half of those, isn't it? Yeah, you could just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Everybody is basically. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, can you imagine her and Yara on the page together? That would eat. That would eat. <laughs> that would, oh would kind of eat. Mari okay. is kind of cool. I just well, always find it so interesting that like the internet has decided that this character is existing. <laughs> they just so for those do who, so it. For those I love people it. People who don't know, there's this um storyline in DC Comics. There's this universe, the Kingdom Come storyline. And in it, Nightwing and Starfire have a daughter named Mari Grayson, and she goes by the name Nightstar. She has, like, she's orange, she's got the green eyes, but she's got, like, this long black hair. Um, she shoots her star, but she's got on this cute purple costume. She's a hot doll. Go Google mm-hmm. some pictures of her if you've never seen her before. <laughs> but, like, then also go Google some pictures of Yara if you've never seen her before, Yara Flora Wonder Girl. Just imagine those two together. That's, that's a team up. <laughs> That's a team <laughs> you know what? Do you think that's something that has to happen with the Titans? Like, do they need? Do they need? Not necessarily children, but like, do they need to have little proteges or like, you know? I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I, no. I really, I just really want the Titans brand to be fixed. You know. <laughs> you know, and I and I'm a Titans guy, but they're cursed. It's just it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. 
what to do about them. I get, I get, I don't necessarily think you have to give them proteges, but I do think you have to kind of really start showing that they are adults and they've grown up. I think again, that whole thing once you've been like the sidekick character is that people will always kind of look at you in that regard, especially when you're your predecessor is still alive and kicking, but now we've gotten to the point where they're gone and the people who are after you are actually gonna be the ones taking up those roles because you don't fit that mold anymore. So it's like, okay, well, if they don't fit the mold, what do they fit now? They can be those people who like have the kids and do the superhero stuff and like, I don't know, just be another type of team, but you gotta make it stick. I, I think the thing with the Titan brand is that like, Young Justice has kind of taken the spot as the young team. So you can't keep yeah. putting the teen Titans back together. You gotta have the Titans. Yeah. You gotta make the Titans stick. And like, what does the Titans represent now as these new adult heroes? It feels like, um, it feels like DC doesn't really have those like teams anymore. You know, like there was, they could easily have a Justice League and a JSA and a Titans, and those are like corners for the characters to kind of go to. But those like don't really seem carved out right now. Mm. It's like all Justice League. Everybody I, on Justice League. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Everybody's on Justice League. <laughs> and I, the thing is, I think the ones that who were the teens, they're kind of like a little bit older now. And so again, you kind of look at them, they're like in their early 20s-ish. But I think they're rebuilding it, especially in the Robin series. Ah, yes. I think that's the thing. They're kind of like building all of those characters up around him because they tried to do it before but everybody was so much older than him he had john and then john got aged up so it's like he don't really have john as much anymore so it's like to have mm-hmm. the kids who are damien's age who are the quote-unquote young justices they gotta make them yeah um also going on in dark crisis my boy john stewart will be getting a highlighted issue with dark crisis worlds without a justice league green lantern number one and the solicit reads when pariah and his forces of the great darkness laid waste to the most powerful superheroes of all time all hope was lost but the spirit of the justice league could never truly die john stewart takes flight to defend his planet as the emerald knight of justice alongside his allies red hood and the blind prophet kyle rayner plus hot girl takes to the skies in her own unique world this is written by philip kennedy johnson and art by fernando blanco and I'm extremely excited. This one, it's a 40-page one-shot. Um, I'm really hyped for John to be getting his own superhero status. And I really hope that this sticks post-Death of the Justice League. Because obviously, we all know they're going to come back, right? But I hope they don't bring him back and say, Oh, yay, John, you are the Green Lantern. Here go your ring again. And he's he's back to that. I really hope that he's <laughs> able to continue to be a superhero on his own. It's interesting too because Don's kind of in that space that Hal used to be in where I think a lot of newer readers don't actually want him in the books anymore because they want to see the Jessicas and the Simons and the Joes. And, that's great. <laughs> and Good, that's good. He don't need to be there anymore. Let's move on. <laughs> you know, and that's my thing. It's like he doesn't necessarily need to be there anymore. They can all fill that space and it's like, okay, what else are you going to have him do? But be in this like kind of like solo superhero movie. Mhm. Ah, shout out to DC. <laughs> give, give, giving me what I need. Giving me what I need. Um. Yeah, there are some other solicits on the DC roster here, but I'm gonna link them below because there's a pretty long list there. There was also the new champion of Shazam finally coming out. Um. 
and it's written by Josie Campbell and art by uh, Doc Shainer. And this is going to be when Mary Marvel gets to be Shazam. I know this is a this was supposed to come out earlier. I think it was supposed to come out in February, but it got pushed back to this coming August. So for the people who were excited about seeing Mary Marvel take the Shazam title, it's coming in August. Did you see about the WB CEO who canceled the Wonder Twins movie? And uh, <laughs> the Wonder Twins movie was recently announced, and uh, I forget who was going to be the. Oh my God, that's the birds. Do you can you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm in a Disney movie. I can't say. <laughs> Ooh, I was like, who's in the house? <laughs> So the DC Wonder Twins movie was just recently announced and it was going to be starring uh, KG Appa and Isabel May, but it was uh, canceled. Now, the reported budget for the movie was going to be $75 million and supposedly uh, David, I thought so too. David Saslov decided to cut it because he does not think that that movie needs to be made in that kind of budget. He thinks that any HBO Max show should be made with under $35 million. I agree. I mean, I get I get it. WB just recently did this merger with uh, Warner Brothers and Discovery, so now they are Warner Brothers Discovery. That's why everything is kind of being... Uh, kind of fixed right now mm-hmm. and reshuffled and he is kind of going in and I don't want to say cleaning the house but but kind of he thinks that you know certain movies shouldn't be made I think there was a western that was made by Clint Eastwood which was a flop like it did not do very well in the box office and when yeah when he asked about this he said you know why did we how did this flop? And people were like, you know, we were moving forward with it, even though we had reservations about putting out. And allegedly, he said, if you had reservations, why did you put it out anyway? And they said, you know, Clint Eastwood in the past has had hits with us, so we thought that this could happen again. That's and you allegedly, know he's like not tuned in to public opinion. Clint Eastwood? <laughs> yeah. You think yeah. about the like? Okay. Anyways. Continue. I'm sorry. And, I just pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when his response allegedly was, we don't do handouts and favors anymore. Period. Like, if you had reservations about it, we're not, we shouldn't have put it out from the beginning. So I am not mad at someone who was kind of a CEO with that kind of mentality, but it is kind of making me wonder how many of those DC projects that were announced and we kind of already knew weren't going to happen are really like not happen while they kind of fix and reshuffle some things around it at HBO or WB. So we'll see what's going on there with this new CEO. Who knows? And, um, our final bit of an update this week was the She-Hulk trailer that just came out. Now, the Marvel Studios has released the trailer for their upcoming show, She-Hulk, Attorney of Law, at Law, 
which will be premiering this August. Um, and it seems like at least like once a month they're going to be having content like out, <laughs> um, which is interesting with just how like I feel like they were at least getting some stuff ready while they were in the pandemic, you know, Yeah. so that they could really pull the trigger on stuff. But the She-Hulk trailer, what'd you think? I liked it. As I the thought, She-Hulk stand here, how I what did you think? I thought it was like really fun. I thought that I think Tatiana's an amazing actress, so I'm pretty sure she's gonna kill it. I thought like some of the humor bits came through really well. It was cool to see Bruce. I thought I love that they kept like fun girl She-Hulk in there. They show some of her dating life. I think <clears throat> if you're a fan of She-Hulk and you've ever read any of her comics, you kind of understand that like this is who she is. I love that they're pulling from like the slot run and doing the stuff with her being an attorney at Superhuman Law and just bringing in like the hijinks that ensue with that. And it's like, it was cool to see. I thought it was really fun. The CGI was Marvel CGI. Yes. And I think that was- I I, I don't think that they are like, I don't think Marvel has a reputation for having bad CGI. I've seen a hell of a lot worse. How? I don't think it's nearly as bad as like the CW or anything that comes out of DC. You love to compare something to the CW. That is their whole thing. <laughs> Did you see? They also released like that, <laughs> that clip or like that image of their Gotham Knights show. <laughs> <laughs> and it looked like just like five teenagers on the picture. It was you so can't funny. tell who those characters are. Like, what is this show supposed to be about? I was like, who are these characters? I was like, this is so funny. Somebody was like, um, the CW loves a Batman show with no Batman and none of his characters. <laughs> I think the CW was laundering money. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, everything just got canceled. The deck was cleared, so it's fine. They finally even canceled Riverdale, which, like, what well, makes that boy getting his little Wonder Twins movie canceled a little bit funnier? Because it's <laughs> <laughs> like, damn, we just lost two jobs. That's <laughs> <Just> upsetting. Uh, um, <laughs> but I only say that because apparently, like, the Wonder Twins have been coded Asian. And so everybody, I know, like, them being cast as white folks was kind of upsetting to a lot of people. <clears throat> I think even I didn't, know they were, I didn't know they were coded Asian. Someone said that the writer based the character on his one of the girls, like the alien sister, I think, on like his wife and her brother, and they're Asian. Oh, oh, yeah. So that's All like right, well, it was it was probably good for this to just <laughs> yeah. So it, was like, it was like a whole thing. It was like uh, uh-uh, this ain't right. Yeah. Let's move on from that. <laughs> but um, She-Hulk, I thought, was fun. I'm excited for the show, and I'm ready to see it come on. That's my girl. I thought so, too. I am not, like, a She-Hulk stan, but I do enjoy her. Like, she's a fun girl. I was really kind of shocked, honestly, in this trailer to see them not only acknowledge her, like, being older and, like, 30 instead of being, like, an MCU Jennifer Walters, if you know what I mean, like they kind of like de-aged her or something like that. Like, no, she was like, I'm dating in my 30s. Um, and even truly at the end when she saw the fine man and was like, oh, I'm taking you home and like picking him up and stuff. I was shocked that they kept the hot girlness of her personality in yeah. this trailer, not only in the trailer that we're going to see in the show. Yeah. And again, the, C- the CGI, there were times where, yes, it looked wonky, but 
um, actually, She-Hulk is one of the characters I was worried about for a show because she is always She-Hulk. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's not like they were ever going to paint her green. I think the funniest thing was like seeing the memes that came afterwards and like people <laughs> like posting clips of <laughs> what's so mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though. <laughs> like people are so creative. I love it. But no, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was great. I think again, like I think the CGI is CGI is what you would expect it to be for this type of show from Marvel Studios. <laughs> yes. And I don't think it's that bad. Um, there were definitely a lot of parts where it was wonky, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for it. I'm glad they kept her origin with the blood transfusion and didn't change any of that. So we'll see. Yeah. And those are the updates of the week. Let's go ahead and take a break and we'll come right back. Oh. Body, body. <laughs> she got me. It's, it's in my head. <laughs> oh, like the drums actually is what gets you. Legs. And you're dum, dum, dum. <laughs> Why does it sound like that? <laughs> it's like the drums of war. It's like... It truly is. It's so funny. <laughs> Like preparing for battle, just like coming in. Here she is talking about her legs and her hips. <laughs> <laughs> and her body. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, hello everyone, and welcome back for another read. Not another reread, because it's the first time we're reading. You see how I did that? Ooh, okay, I like that name. <laughs> another read. That's cute. <laughs> uh, but no, so uh, we're going to start the week. This was actually like a pretty solid comic book. Well, actually, I'm looking at this. It was a little up and down. Uh, <laughs> but let's go ahead and get started. It was Eternals number 12, and this is Karen Gillan and Isab Bribbick. And this is the conclusion of the Eternals run before we head off into Judgment Day. And it kind of gives you like all the big things that you expect from the superhero story. Um, the Eternals and the Avengers are fighting and then they realize that like Thanos has gotten control of the machine and he's about to start going crazy so they just reveal to the Avengers like hey we were playing y'all this is what's going on the Avengers are pissed send them on their way they go to start fighting Thanos we get the big bang booms we find out Druig being the manipulative evil little man that he is has sabotaged the machine so for if the Prime Eternal ever wanted to use it for bad ways and like go crazy they would die kills them and that's how they win um you know, after it's all said and done, the Eternals are kind of like, you know, this is their place to protect and they're going to do that. And from the Deviants, and then Druig looks out, he hears about an excess deviation and he sees Krakoa and we learn about, you know, Arako on Mars. And he's like, that sounds like something to me. And it seems like we're going to go into Judgment Day from that with the Eternals. Look, what you said, they're going to take the mutants to Deviants and they're going to, you know, go to attack them and then we're going to get the big battle for that. So it's happening. Yeah, we're moving towards that way. I think this issue was interesting to see the, like, the conclusion of all of this and kind of where the, all this kind of wraps up. The main takeaway is that the 
deviants are the quote unquote like natural thing yeah. and the eternals actually the, the quote unquote deviants um <clears throat> by going back through their history they learned that the that, like deviation and mutation and stuff is natural and like that's what's supposed to like happen because of like this primordial ooze from a celestial that part I thought was nasty <laughs> personally um but like the deviants are born from that and that's how they end up like mutating or whatever and obviously that's how we can kind of see a connection between mutants and deviants but like mutation and all of that is natural sometimes they excess deviate but the eternals are there to basically like Stop be that. the right they're like the gardeners that are clipping you know the weeds out but the flowers are still growing they are not the flowers that they thought they were so um, I thought that part was interesting that they are kind of there. As far as the Eternals as a team, I've said this before in this run, I've been really into the writing and the story that they've been telling, but the team itself are really bland. Like, yeah. Cersei is boring. Athena is boring. Gilgamesh is boring. Now, but we'll like, the culture of... Be calm. <laughs> be calm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess I could keep naming the rest of them if that's what I should do. <laughs> but I didn't think I needed to list everybody since we the whole team is. We don't add Cersei into this conversation. I, yeah, we got everybody else. Cersei sat in a tub for three issues and did nothing. Queen. She didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, she's, she doesn't work. She's just as boring as the rest. She directs, <laughs> she directs and they do the work. She did exactly what she was supposed to do. And when she so told Thor, the boring Eternals are. Oh. And Tony. Stark, I guess that's cute when she said that it was their world, like it was never yours. Like we are the Eternals, so we, like you're just human. You are gonna be here for what another decade, two. Like, Don't play with me. She's that girl. The rest of the terms, but I do agree with you on that. And like the team, I have realized that as these issues have gone by, I've started to care a little less about all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think. I, I don't know. I, don't, I can't tell if it is intentional or not that they are the Eternals and they're supposed to kind of be devoid of a lot of those like emotions and that warmth that you would expect from people and other teams to do things because like, you know, they do live so long. They do see all these people die. They're just kind of used to it. And it's like, that's who they are. But at the same time, it's like, I guess if that is intentional and how they're supposed to be presented, I would like to see that like changing over time and them kind of growing that a little bit more. I think we do see it from Cersei a little bit more often uh, just because she's been in the Avengers and stuff like that. And obviously it was a big part of Athena, but like even that seemed to kind of just, once the guy, once her guy died, it was just like, okay, you know. And I think in the long term, when you just, when they don't care, it's just like, oh, okay, well, I don't care either. Right. That's why I said previously on a different review for the Eternals that if we ever got an expanded like roster, not necessarily a different roster, but maybe a different group of Eternals. Um, I may be comparing this to the movie where we saw them like, you know, go out into space and they were looking for the other Eternals that maybe there might be a group of them out there that have some personality because this batch don't. <laughs> so I would hope to- I would hope to maybe see a little bit else from them. Um, if not, I don't know how the Eternals as a brand is really going to really kind of carve themselves I, a corner 
I think for me personally, I have realized that I don't mind the Eternals, but I don't think they need to be like their own protagonists. I think when they pop up as like side characters or like side plots and stuff like that, side civilization and other stories, yeah, they're fine. Bring them in for an arc or like a little story of it, like Judgment Day or something like that. But like them in their own book, I don't know. It might not be. Yeah. But yeah. it was a good book nonetheless. Like beautifully written, beautifully drawn. I feel like the style was immaculate. I think the weight and the heaviness of every story, like every issue hit. Um, I'd still say this is like a four out of five comic book for sure. Definitely. I would still give it a four myself. That one lady at the end was nasty when she called Icarus back and uh, he was, she was like, oh, you saved that town. That's insane. He was like, yes, I did what I could. And she was like, but you couldn't save my son and just kind of turned it away and walked away. It's like, yeah. lady. I mean. <laughs> Damn. I mean, like, you gonna rub it in? She a little justified. I won't. I won't hold that against her. She can be mad for a little bit. Okay, fair. <laughs> yeah, we can let that rock. Like, just a little bit. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, I would overall, overall, I'd give the issue. Yeah. Uh, four out of five? Okay. That's right. Good. Um, next up on our list, we have Catwoman number 43, and this comes from Teeny Howard, and we had a guest artist, Ben Gall, on the story. Um, let me start by saying I think Ben Gall's art is, like, very enjoyable. He, uh, there, he's a French artist, and it has, like, the style of the old French comics that used to come out back in the day, but there's also, like, a little bit of an anime influence in there. Um, and it's just, like, it feels very kinetic. Uh, it's very emotive. I like it. I think it's fun for this type of story. That said, I did not like this issue at all. Um... Harley guest stars in it, and Selena and Harley basically go on a little girls' trip together, and they do, like, some roller derby stuff, and I will say the one interesting thing that I thought was, like, really cool about this issue was there's this character by the name of Red Claw. She appeared in the Batman animated series back in the 90s. She's never actually been in a comic book. She made her first appearance in this issue, and, like, that's cool. yeah, she comes to, like, attack Selena. (laughs) Um, But Nonetheless, this issue, I just think as a whole, was just very unenjoyable. I think when it comes to Harley Quinn, she can be a very divisive character on how people write her. I think they either go like very full on with the slapstick and kind of make her like a girl Deadpool, or they like go very heavy with the manic pixie thing. Um, I think a good Harley is kind of a little, not really like Deadpool slapstick, but um, a mix of those two. Like she's still like, the therapist, the genius. She's gonna crack a joke. Yeah, but yeah you know what I'm saying? But she's gonna be the, I think the Harley Quinn cartoon does like probably my best, my favorite version of her. If no one's ever watched it, you should please go and watch it. It's great. It's on HBO Max. Um, but team <laughs> that, right. that episode where <laughs> the Riddler and Bane were talking about, oh, did you hear about <laughs> Harley and Joker breaking up? And he was like, I heard they're trying to be open. You know that only works for the gays. <laughs> it's a funny show. Like, writers do a really good job with her. Like, shout out to them. Um, but, like, I think Teeny does a Harley that I don't know. Like, it's not good. It, it's, it's almost like she's, she's just a dumb girl. Dumb manic pixie, and it's like it, it it doesn't come off across very well. And then I've realized with her Selena, her Selena talks a lot in this issue, 
And she doesn't say too much of anything. And I think the thing about Selena, the whole, <laughs> we've seen them. <laughs> why, why are you laughing? <laughs> you just said she talks a lot, but doesn't say a lot of anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that caught me. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Sorry. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, no. I think like Harley and Selena have like a very solidified relationship. We've seen them together over like multiple series over lots of years. And here this relationship feels so weird and how they talk to each other. Selena is very like overly emotional with Harley. She's like, oh, Harley, you're my best friend. And like, you know, I'm so glad you asked me to come out with you and I would do anything with you because I just needed to get out of the city anyway. And like, I love you so much and we always have a good time and you're my girl. And it's just like, she was saying that out loud. Yes. Like, what? Not that's like Selena. Like, and, I've I've read some Selena comics. I haven't read everything, but like that's not really Selena. It's Selena like, and Harley. Okay, and it feels. So and I don't funny. think and I don't think it's that she doesn't have that kind of like love care for her. her. I do think that's her friend and love for her. Yeah, but like expressing have, it that way, it's it's so it's it comes off like very juvenile a little bit. Um, it's it, I don't know. It's just not. It's not. A, it, I didn't like this issue. It's not a good read. The art was like really cool. I thought it fit the tone of the story. Um, I thought it did a really good job of showing like the action and like how Selena moved. Um, they like lay down together, and she talks about how like Harley smells like girl sweat, and it's like, what does that mean? And it's like I guess you know you can kind of say that like, oh, that's like a cutesy little moment. She's trying to be fun, but it's just like. No, Selena wouldn't say that. Selena wouldn't give that. That's not her. It's just like, okay, whatever. So, I don't know. I, I would really rate this issue like uh, maybe a two out of five. And honestly, like a lot of that comes from the art and being saved. And like the reveal of that I thought was kind of cool. But um, and it's, it was like kind of annoying too, because I honestly have really been enjoying this Catwoman story. And I understood where a lot of people's frustrations came from and being before with Rambi and seeing her doing like the Queenpin thing to kind of coming back to hanging out in Gotham. But it was really like a story of, you know, her coming back to Gotham and people saying, oh, you've been gone for a while. Can you still do this? And her showing him that, showing them that like, yeah, I can. I'm Catwoman. You know who I am. And like, I'm having some fun with these strippers on the side and we kicking butt. Like, it was cool. This was just like... I don't know. I don't know what that is. So I, I honestly, I'll probably give it the next issue um, to see kind of what goes on. But if it gives more of this, I probably will just drop this title as a whole. Oh no. Yeah, cause I ain't like that, and I don't want to read any. And like, and if that's how she's gonna be and talking in this, no, we can't do that. I'm gonna say we catch it on DC uh, Infinite. Maybe not even that, honestly. But next up, <laughs> Immortal X-Men number two. And this is another book from Karen Gilly. Oh. <laughs> and this is a big issue for you. Um, mm. It is the story of Miss Hope Summers. You know, from the last issue, Celine um, turned the external gate into a kaiju. In this issue, we're kind of seeing the fallout from that. She's gone to Covenant Kava. Basically, the issue is just following Hope. And I think it's showing people who don't know Hope Summers who Hope Summers is. You're getting that she's like this the soldier girl. The soldier girl who's raising the future, who like kind of punches first sometimes, but she's learning how to be a leader because she's been put into this position that she never asked to be in and has to be that leader to people and like live up to their vision. Yeah. 
makes sense why I don't like her. <laughs> I don't know why she's Cora. Cora's a lot more capable than that. Cora isn't nearly no Cora isn't nearly the kind of MacGuffin that Hope Summers is. Well, not in the not in the MacGuffin. <laughs> Hope is definitely a MacGuffin. Um, none of her none of her powers make sense. She can do anything and everything. I mean, she's the Messiah. Exodus says so. <laughs> How unfortunate for me. So let, this, let me. This issue was such a departure for Exodus that I was like. I've been bamboozled. I've been so, played. You, <laughs> you were like really excited for Exodus in this book. What is it that kind of like took you from that spot to be like, oh, I've been played? The entire thing. Every part about Exodus in this was not a continuation of his story. He was being used to prop up hope. And in my opinion, I don't think any character should be used to prop up another. They should be able to stand on their own and like to tell whatever kind of story. Um, obviously, I think that they can play off of each other and you can use other characters to kind of, you know, um, be involved in, in a narrative and maybe incite a narrative. But when it's this unnecessary, it comes across as to me as like, this was dumb. <laughs> like, you didn't have to do any of this. A lot of, um, I've done a panel before on Exodus and Exodus is like my top by a favorite character, probably top three favorite, like mutant X character over there. And he has a very simple story, in my opinion. It's not like super convoluted. Um, it's not, I think it's pretty simple to grasp. When he got his powers, he knew he was different because of his like reddish skin. And he knew that there was this power inside of him. He was a crusader and he left that because he didn't want to be like told to what to do with the church. And he wanted to find this power that he felt was inside of him. Um, he later discovers his power because he discovers he's a mutant and then he runs into Apocalypse who is like, you have this great power within you and he starts following Apocalypse. Basically, Exodus ends up having the story of you have all this power but you're not believing in yourself because you feel like you need an, an external belief to like push you forward. So he follows the the mantras of the crusaders and then he after that it was apocalypse after that it was magneto and that was who he followed then he had a very specific moment in uncanny x-men where after the whole genosha thing happened uh, he went back to genosha and <laughs> he used this part is bad because he's still kind of like he does things on his own he forced forge to make him a cerebro um, that he could use to amplify his telepathic powers, and he took away all of hostility in Genosha and made everyone like like each other. So humans and mutants, everyone there like got along. And um, when the X Men came to kind of rescue Forge and stuff, he was like, you know, they rescued him. He said, you know, this is this was my plan. I'm no longer following anyone anymore. I'm gonna like I'm not trying to be. Apocalypse. I'm not trying to follow whatever Magneto wants me to do. I'm making my own decisions and I'm going to see what it's like. Now, at the end of that, people and he he took the hostilities, like gave it back to people and they went right back to fighting each other and killed these mutants like in front of him. So from then on out, his whole like pro mutant life and his pro mutant ideals were his own. OK, then we fast we fast forward to Inferno just recently 
and he says to Mystique when she's trying to like you know work everyone over um that he is his prime objective is protecting Krakoa he's explicitly says you know for a long time I've been a follower of someone else and it took me a while until I got to this new land what I wanted to do and that is protect Krakoa and his mutants and basically just he wants that to be as prosperous as possible now we fast forward to this and you just replaced Magneto with Hope Summers so now he's going to be obsessed with her and now he has to like he needs her to like that, that be his motivations and then on top of that his like there's always been a thing with his powers that he's super powerful yeah. and um, previously it was never like confirmed but it was always a thing of oh he's like powerful because he believes in himself and to me I always thought that was more of a comment on his hubris like he's super confident and like you know you know that like cliche villain kind of speech of like I believe in myself I'm so righteous like this is where my power comes from because I'm just I believe in myself so strongly um, now it's been retconned that his powers actually do go stronger when more people believe in him. So now, in truly a part of his powers, he needs someone to believe in him other than himself. Mm. I guess I can see why you'd be frustrated with the issue and not like it. Better. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> You know, um, so to me, this was like this is taking five steps backwards to help Hope Summers. <laughs> what? That's the real dig right there. It's like, ooh, out of all people, Hope. That's not <laughs> um, Hope so, Summers. So I guess I can understand that being an Exodus fan in that way. I mean, I will say I don't necessarily think it's going to go too far with the obsession thing. I feel like I could see the story becoming about like, yes, he does believe in her and all that stuff. But at the same time. Um, she's trying to be very affirming that, that like you are putting me on this pedestal don't put me there and I think that's kind of different in the terms in the way that his relationship with the other people like Magneto and Apocalypse have been it was very much that he was putting them on a pedestal and they gladly stood on it and they were like yes I am actually all these things so when the stuff did happen it did kind of make it seem like a little bit worse for him here he's doing that for hope and she's saying nah I don't get like the Messiah thing that everybody puts on me is like not who I am. She's like, I'm not the way you think of it. And it's like, I need you to understand that. So I think that's really an interesting dynamic change. But again, like everything else that you explain it and the way that you talk about his story and where he's gotten to and going back to that, I can understand being frustrated with it. I think me and personally with Immortal X-Men, I don't necessarily care about anybody on the council outside of like Destiny and Xavier. And they're both kind of, bad people already so i don't really think there's anything that's gonna like really sway me about how they're written everybody else it's just vibes and i thought the vibes with exodus and hope was really cool i think hope as a messiah character has always fallen a little flat for me because they never really put that kind of work into it that needed to be i think um we did a lot of work on her being the soldier and like working with cable and being hard and being able to fight and being active and all of that. But like, there was no one who came at it as like, no, people like are gonna worship you. So I think that's kind of interesting. I personally have always kind of seen um, Exodus as a religious character also. So it fit for me. I think it would be a little bit more interesting if we got it from like an Exodus point of view and a Nightcrawler point of view to be like, oh no, she just some girl and she got me killed one time, but whatever. 
That's unfortunate that like Exodus is stuck in some religious like motif with people because he's <laughs> not religious at all. <laughs> he just comes from like the 1400s. Was that I, mean, that? I, don't, I don't think that was that far back. I don't think that's, that's right. <laughs> but but <laughs> I was like, I don't know. That sounds like a religious time to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's right. Somebody fact check me on that. <laughs> yeah, I but know. I don't. He himself like isn't really. He like left the Crusaders. That's where he started. Um, what would you rate this issue? I think a one. Oh wow. Okay. I wouldn't go that far. I would maybe I would maybe give it a 1.5 because I do think some of the art stuff was nice. But again, even the art for me, I do like Lucas Wernick and I do like some of his pinup covers and stuff, but I'm not the biggest fan of his interiors. Mm. Um, like the entire page, uh, the, the back and forth where Hope was like using magic's powers to go and kill Celine. And when they got to the... Um, after Selene was resurrected and they were like, you know, after Exodus like snapped her neck in that moment, yeah. no one there had like a face. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of the interior art. And again, for me, this was such a massive departure from where Exodus was going. And I'm not that interested in the story. It's yeah. just a lot of people like I, I was expecting there to be a lot more. Um. <clears throat> Not necessarily conniving because it doesn't necessarily have to be from a malicious place, but I was expecting there to be a lot more clearer, like hints at yeah. everybody's motivations. It didn't necessarily be completely drawn out, like right within these first two issues, but like starting to see why everybody is wanting to be on the council and kind of why why did everybody even want hope to be there, yeah. or you know start to start to see some inklings of everything else. But this we got. Sinister using some like mutant stuff, uh, yeah, hormone like make himself into a Hulk. And I don't know, I don't think this series is for me. I don't know, I think you know me, I've been the biggest one saying that I don't really think there necessarily needs to be a council book. And to be honest, I don't think this has changed my opinion too much. I think I like the council in the aspect of, like you said, kind of the conniving and politics of it all. I want to see them kind of like doing stuff with the people of Krakoa. I want to see them making decisions and things like that. But I also realize that they do a lot of that in other books. So I don't necessarily think I'm going to see too much of that here. And mm -hmm. But I am still into like some of the little things that have been said. Like there's a thread with Destiny and Sinister that I'm kind of intrigued by. Um, I would like to see, you know, I feel like we're going to get into the personal lives of the council a little bit more. And that's why we see things like Sinister in his lab and like all that kind of stuff. So we'll see how that plays out too. I would like to know what Xavier does when he's not around. And I don't know. I'll, I'll give it at least this like first arc for sure to make any final decisions. I'm not too excited for the Judgment Day tie-in. I think you might want to tap back in for that. I know that's supposed to be an Exodus issue. That's okay. I'll catch you winning some Marvel Unlimited. Well, all in all, I would give this a three point. Well, you want me to you want me to read the Exodus issue now? So what? When he is fighting the Eternals, he got to call on Hope. <laughs> so he can be powerful or something. That not, no, that might be the issue. <laughs> Doesn't need Hope. Please. I don't know. I'll tell Maybe. you. Maybe.
We'll, we'll, we'll find out, maybe, if I read <laughs> uh, uh, But no, I would give the issue a 3.5. I do agree with uh, Wernick's pencils. I think he has, like, very pretty pen-up art. I think when he does draw faces, they're, like, very, very pretty. Um, but I think there's also an emphasis sometimes too much on making it pretty. Like, let them get a little angry in the face. Um, yeah. And, but whatever, that's there. Maybe 1.5 was mean. I'd give it a 2. Okay, well, we're going to move on to X-Men Red. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we even get to X-Men Red, too, because that's our last book on the week. Um, I do want to give a shout-out to the excellent number three that came out and Iron Fist number three that also came out this week. They're on my pull list. I have not had a chance to read them, but I enjoyed the first two issues of each, so I'm anticipating enjoying the next one. Um, but hopefully those come out. If you're into those, let us know. Um, but yes, X-Men Red number two, that comes from Al Ewing and Stefano Caselli. And um, I don't know what... Now, this was a hit. <laughs> this was a hit. <laughs> I, don't know what, yeah. I don't know if anybody like went into this book expecting it to be bad or anything, or just like not expecting it to be good, but it's like an Al Ewing title. We've been doing this for however many episodes. And I've been talking about however many Al Ewing books. You ain't never heard me say nothing bad about them. I have, yes. <laughs> and you were, you were excited to that one's opinion. That was fine. But the man's a hit maker. And this issue was no different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's pretty great. There were some that weren't the best. But like even, even his videos, those were still pretty good. Um, and this X-Men Red number two was fantastic. I think it's so dope that Al Ewing was able to take a, <laughs> like a proofreading error mm-hmm. and make it into an arc for Vulcan. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously this was a Hickman idea to have uh, Petra and Sway not be real. Uh, but originally I think, I forget which X- X-Men issue it was. That there was a typo and that made it seem appear as though they were real. But to circle back on that in this and kind of confirm that no, they weren't. And um, Vulcan is definitely going through it. <laughs> I think that's very, very interesting stuff. There is still a continuity error with that, like Petra and Sway thing, though, because Petra showed up in an issue of New Mutants and she was like training with them. Well, in the. The. Um, what is it called? The data page. The data page. Exa- and the data page, Xavier had previously said that um, he had even like made people think that like Petra was around there because he thought that like, oh, if if Vulcan believes that Petra and Sway are real, maybe this will help his like mental state. Skim that line. Which that still don't make sense to me, but whatever. I'm gonna let it rock. It's Al Ewing. He said he said I even allowed I even allowed quote unquote Petra to visit Krakoa to teach a class of students in the hope that this might be a way for Vulcan to lose his distrust of the island. <laughs> Xavier is a nasty man. They all don't people people everything. I don't understand how people don't like him. He made all them people think Petra was there and teach and taught a class of students, but she was not alive. Oh, I definitely did skim that data page. Um, I mean, it was good. Good for him. So, yeah, I don't think that's necessarily a continuity area. Again, that just shows Al Ewing being able to kind of, mm-hmm. like, 
make it make it all make sense because we did see Petra teaching those class of students in New Mutants. Because I went so, back too, I was like, I know I'm not crazy. She was in that issue, but I, I, I guess and I spoke. And she did. They were like saying her name and everything. I was like, oh look, yeah. Wow, he's good. Xavier just made everybody think that's what was going on because he was trying to help Gabriel. Um. But as we see in the opening of this issue, that that was not the case. He, Vulcan is not a fan of Charles Xavier. And I mean, how can you blame him? Um, to him, that is a very nasty man. I guess when you think about it, Xavier has kind of been like a bad person in Gabriel's life. Yes. <laughs> 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 he left that boy on the island. <laughs> Technically. Cyclops left him. <laughs> Cyclops came back to come and rescue him, but then after that, he was left on there, and they shot him in the space. <laughs> yeah, they were, you know, he thought they were dead. So he was going to shoot him in the space. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, can you imagine the, deb the debrief after that? It was like, oh, we went to go and rescue those mutants, but they weren't there. There was no debrief. He erased their memories. He was like, these people don't. <laughs> <laughs> so nasty. <laughs> what are you talking about? The only person who knew was Moira. <laughs> <laughs> and we see what happened there. Um, how did you feel about everything going on in this issue with um, Brand? We see that she is kind of building her own X-Men. She is basically keeping Vulcan in her back pocket because he's extremely powerful and she wants to build her own X-Men. Manifold confronts her, which I thought was an interesting and really dope way to have that conversation because um, Manifold is indigenous and having that character be the one talking to Agent Brand, like, hold up, they have their own culture here. If they want an X-Men team, they should be the ones picking their X-Men team, who are we to come to their place? So I do appreciate that he was the um, yeah, the person to kind of talk about that. And Brand, being nasty, was like, well, I'm going to do whatever I want to do anyway, so <laughs> if y'all got a problem with it, you can go. <laughs> <laughs> I've, like, never hated Agent Brand. I, I love me, like, a lady character who, like, does not take anybody's stuff. Maria Hill, love her also. And I felt like Brain was always in this position of obviously the second in command and kind of just like overseeing stuff for everybody else. And like over the years, they've moved her into this space of like being in charge and doing what she needs to do. And I feel like this role that she now has, and especially putting her in opposition to somebody like Storm, I read the Storm data page that Brain did on her. And she was like just talking about, you know, I expected to fight the queen of Arako and not the queen of the Morlocks. And like how these people, oh no, she said the queen of Wakanda. I think it was Wakanda. The queen of yeah. Wakanda, and like, no, she's getting the queen of the Morlocks. And it was just like, because you know, the queen of Wakanda didn't do anything. She did not. She, <laughs> <laughs> she did not. She stood there and was pretty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no shade. Like, I thought that was like a really interesting bit. And I just like really loved those yeah. characters like coming together. Like this is one of those like interactions, a feud, if you want to say, that I like would like to see continue for a long time down the road before I think I'll get bored of it. And I really enjoyed everything that went on with her. And Regent Storm coming in with like her little brotherhood team. 
was also and seeing the people react to them and like seeing the fisherman king and how they reacted to him and like how they made some comments about how he's supposed to be this big guy you know he might be one of the secret members of the um night table i think it is Mm. which we could see he's a cool guy i like him um and just seeing like those artsy mutants and like them trying to defend themselves and like the differences and like again how you said brand was coming and saying these are my x-men we're gonna save the day versus storm her brotherhood coming and saying like hey can we actually fight with you guys because we want to be right. and how and like it's also cool yeah. to see like how much the iraqi people love storm now because they did not like her i the- actually really like that too they did not <laughs> see it for they did not see it for her at the beginning but i really appreciate that they were like oh Yes, Aurora's here. Yeah, it was just so like, I, I like that they, I mean, she had been killing them for like uh, for a, a long time. That's all it takes. And like, even the way that she kind of comes in and shuts Vulcan down, I thought was really cool and a nice little thing about her. You know, it's one thing about Storm, she's going to take down the Summers. Okay? She is, yes. Um, and I do think Vulcan has a lesson to learn there. Um, unfortunately, he has Brand kind of controlling him because he is just a, you know, super way to be launched. But um, I do think there's stuff for him to learn as far as where she said, you know, there's no thrones on Araka. on Araka. And mm-hmm. Vulcan's whole thing has been being an emperor. And I think he is really having a hard time, like, obviously, as we saw here, where the x-men team that brand was building the field leader i think was going to be cable and vulcan was like i gotta listen to my nephew like that (laughs) is not sitting right with to me he sees himself as someone who should be in charge he sees himself as kind of like a julius caesar also um, cable this issue (laughs) you you liked him or did not i said lol at him oh yeah also like were his were his powers also retconned because when he was going against the progenitor in this issue, the, a progenitor attacks on Araco, he says that like one of the one of the progenitors like takes his warlock, I mean, not his warlock, his um, techno organic virus like from him. They like absorb it basically, and he says that his the techno organic virus was keeping his telekinesis under control because without it, it's like so much power or whatever. I thought it was the opposite, and that. The virus wasn't taking over his body because he was telekinetically like stopping it. And that's why he could never use his telekinesis and fights and stuff. And that's why he always used the gun because he was constantly focusing on keeping that under control. To me, this seems as though it's been kind of like reversed. I don't know. Honestly, I feel like I've read both. Mm. But I could just be making that up in my head. I mean, you know, cable is not really my mix. So I'd be skipping his dialogue. Well, well, someone let us know if what you guys think of Cable, because I was under the impression that he was keeping the virus under control, not the virus was keeping him under control. I mean, because him and this virus, they have, like, a very long history. One moment he has it, he's not had it, he's had it again. It's a lot. It's probably maybe been... When he, when he doesn't have it, he ends up becoming X-Man, and we don't want that. Because, <laughs> I, I don't know, I just, like, both of those things sound true. Like, I feel like I've heard him, I feel like I've read him say, or like there's been something about him telekinetically doing something to keep the virus at bay. But at the same time, I also feel like I've read something where it was like, no, it's actually like affecting him. I don't know. I've only read, I've only read. 
Um, but yeah, overall, I really like the issue. It looks like they're going to have Vulcan looking after, going after Tarn. So that should be fun. Tarn, pick um, up. I don't know about all of that. <laughs> Tarn's going to tear him up. Tarn is wow. that guy. <laughs> what do you mean? Tarn, Tarn took on some Hellions. Let's be calm. <laughs> I don't think he can take on Vulcan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The hell is the <laughs> X-Men team, so. Right. Who on the X-Men team, G? And <laughs> 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 oh. the Hellions didn't stop, didn't beat the X-Men team. They just kind of like acting rambunctious. Who Rough. on the Hellions is actually a threat? They Empath. <laughs> <laughs> you think people going to be afraid of Quanon? <laughs> <laughs> Please. <laughs> they might because they, they still they still think she's Betsy. Mm. That's unfortunate for them, but I don't but think any of them are too much of a threat. Tarn Tarn took them out. <sighs> All right, Damn, can... that's not too much of a threat. They lost to Tarn. Tarn's gonna do it. I love Tarn. Okay, I think he is so cool. Tarn's fun with his attitude. He's fun. I'm but here. We'll see. What would you rate this issue? I'd give this issue a four out of five, for sure. I really enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. It's my rate of the series. I agree. I agree. Definitely strong four out of five. I'm I'm excited to keep reading the series. It also has a Judgment Day issue coming up soon. Yeah, but like, that's that. You know, I'm pretty sure I'll even say we wasn't gonna have no tie-ins. You gotta listen to this one though. Marvel said that's what you think. <laughs> <laughs> We are gonna have a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure. Whatever. Those are the comics of the week. Let's go ahead and take a break and then we'll come back. Let's do it. I was just about to say, I'm sorry your day with the storm fan didn't go well. Yeah, we'll see. He was cute though. <laughs> so it's summertime. Oh, no. I like a little bit of fun. It is. It is. You know, he texts me on the right night. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, that's not that big of a problem. <laughs> All right, y'all. Welcome back to the relaunch section of the show. So we have been switching some things up recently and we know people love the character close-up. So we decided to kind of mush those together. So this week's relaunch will actually be a character close-up of Vulcan. Now, Gabriel Summers is the brother of Alex and uh, Scott Summers. And uh, he has recently been a member of X-Men Red, as people have just read, as we just reviewed. And he is a very interesting character, in my opinion. I think he is um, not only very powerful, he's an Omega-level energy-manipulating character. Um, I think when you have a character that can be kind of, like, angry and violent, sometimes they can end up being, that's just their story and their trope here. But recently, there's been some developments with him where there's explanations behind a lot of that, and he's not just some, you know, megalomaniac conqueror. So in his backstory, Vulcan was the third 
a child of Corsair Summers. I think their mother's name was Catherine. And um, she was pregnant when they got captured by the Shi'ar. And uh, Corsair ended up being taken away. The wife was supposedly killed, but she was actually pregnant with a Vulcan. They took the unborn baby, accelerated it to uh, his prime adolescence, and put him into slavery. Now, is that a lot of like comic book craziness <laughs> just to give them a third hidden brother? Yes. <laughs> but, but whatever, he's here now. Um, <clears throat> I know I typically never like the, you know, hidden sibling trope, but Vulcan can stay. Uh, so after he was became a slave with the Shi'ar, he was sent to Earth with Eric the Red, as people know him. And while there, he ended up like, I think it was a crash landing or something like that. More of McTaggart ended up finding him and he had no memory of who he was. And she took him to Charles and kind of, um, kind of help him become a part of the X-Men and like, you know, do the whole mutant thing. You are a powerful character. Let me help you. He was, he told everyone that his name was Gabriel. Um, and it was like called for Vulcan. He was obsessed with like Roman mythology and like Julius Caesar, I believe it was like a book that he read when he was a kid. Um, so his code name, he went by a Vulcan. Um, he joined a team of X-Men with Petra, Darwin and Sway. And they were going to be a, you know, the original kind of team. I'm really want to see like a one shot or something, a reunion of them just to see where they are now. You and know, like really nice, especially like now that Wanda created the little Elijah Fields thing where they can bring anybody back. Like it would be really good to see them back. I'm a big fan of Darwin personally, so I always enjoy seeing him. I really enjoyed Sway. I actually enjoyed that whole little team during that miniseries. Yeah. Came out and introduced. I thought they were really interesting and in how they used their powers, especially Sway and her like time abilities and the replay stuff. I mm -hmm. would see that. That will also require Darwin to appear on the page again, and we haven't seen him since he died in the ball. Oh, yeah. Well, he popped up in that resurrection, like when all three of them came back, but he hasn't right. been seen since. Nas Nas resurrected, right? Yeah. Well, damn. <laughs> Damn. Well, yeah, it'd be nice if they had like a um, X-Men Unlimited arc or something where they just kind of did a touch based on all of them and kind of show where they were. Um, but yeah, that was his team. And Xavier gave them the mission of going to rescue the original X-Men because they were trapped um, by Krakoa. Now, we learn later in Deadly Genesis, which I highly recommend for people. It's pretty much all of Vulcan's origin story. And I think it was written by Ed Brubaker. And uh, the... Daily Genesis is where we've uh, where an adult Vulcan returns and pretty much tells everybody exactly what really went down. He tells everyone, you know, I was actually a part of this first or second X-Men team to go and help the original X-Men. But, um, you know, the mission didn't go very well. We ended up saving Cyclops or he Vulcan feels like he saved Cyclops, sent him away to go and get some help. Um, while Cyclops is like watching the fight go on, he thinks that Vulcan is killed. And um, by the time he gets back to Xavier, Xavier like wiped his mind <laughs> and just told, <laughs> told Cyclops that he was the only survivor and that they like sent the other team. That's how we get um, Storm and Banshee and Wolverine and the rest of the, the rest of them who came and oh. Lorna who came and joined them. Yeah, <clears throat> the giant fight team. Thunderbird, who just came back in X-Men Red. Exactly. That entire squad goes over there and 
they end up being the ones to kind of rescue him. But at the same time, Vulcan was actually still there on that island fighting Krakoa. He survived by absorbing all of the energy from his teammates. And I think mostly Darwin was able to kind of help him uh, survive. And once Lorna threw Krakoa into space, he was still like attached to Krakoa. So he was just thrown up there in the space. And after M-Day, when all that energy from Wanda saying no more mutants happened, his he was like awakened somehow and he that brought him back to Earth and he wanted revenge. You know what's interesting? One of the things that I did really like about that storyline and like how they kind of brought him back was I love the way that he used all of their powers in conjunction with themselves when Krakoa was trying to kill them. And it was like obviously Sway died first. She got cut in half, but it was like she did like a big burst of her power. So it slowed down the time near them. So even though they were being like burned, they were still enough so Petra could like have the earth swallow them up but then they were like it was it was mm-hmm. kind of death now that i think about it very gruesome yeah um very <laughs> but it was like a conjunction of all of their powers working along because you know darwin was the evolution guy so his powers like instinctively kind of kicked in to help him and then you had vulcan over there who had the energy and he was uh you getting some of that in, and it was just like, you know, that's a mutant circuit right there. I mean, it that, was, but <laughs> they were dying, but yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, but they were working. I really like that team. They need to come back. Yeah, they were cool. I, I think that they could probably do something now. I'm not sure if they could fit as a squad now, if that no, makes sense. You know how like the new mutants sit together? Vulcan's I think that they should all just be separate. Darwin's been through too much. I think Petra and Sway will be at a place of like, I don't know anything. I got to figure out. Right. Um, yeah. But it would be cool. If they're like at some point when they've gotten a little bit of story under them, then we get that reunion. You know how they always bring the whole five back together. Right. Right. We can get them back together. Yeah. Um, so he comes back to Earth, pretty much lays waste to everybody. He wants Xavier to tell everybody the truth, but Xavier lost his powers after M Day. So he forces. Um, Rachel Gray to link everybody up and tells the truth. Now everybody's been revealed. People realize that Xavier is a nasty man. And um, he does what's they, <laughs> right. So once they link everybody up and Vulcan learns that his mother was killed by Deken, he pretty much goes into a rage and just <laughs> flies into space. And he's like, I'm going, I got business I need to go and take care of. This ends up setting the X-Men or at least, um, Xavier, Lorna, um, I think it was Rachel, and Havoc. He kind of recruits all of them. And I think a couple of the uh, Star Jammers to kind of go after him. That's where you get the rise and fall of the Shi'ar Empire. Great, fantastic arc. I do recommend that to people. Um, It's Uncanny X-Men, I think, for like 83, around that. Yeah, so they go and pretty much go and try to stop him. They do not succeed because Vulcan pretty much becomes the new emperor of the Shi'ar. He ends up getting with um, Deathbird, and they ended up becoming like a weird kind of couple. And she becomes the batteries in his book while he is he is actually kind of presenting himself to be kind of like a maniac, but he is kind of playing everybody because he knows that in order for him to take over the Shi'ar. He would have to get it, A, by marriage or by combat. So if he married Deathbird, which I think he ended up doing, um, while they were having a war, he, like, tried to go and kill, like, the the uncle or whatever who would have been the one in line before him. So he just 
becomes like I'm the new I'm the new king. Like either by marriage or through combat, I'm the ones, and people end up falling behind him. Again, sometimes a lot of these stories, you know, the most powerful one is just who they end up following. Um, so he becomes this this big powerful king. Um, he uh, kills the Ken, and he becomes the, the emperor. After that, he becomes the emperor Vulcan. He takes havoc and the Star Jammers as prisoners. They are not doing very well. <laughs> they try to have a fight back. Again, they didn't do very well. <laughs> so um, there was a moment where there was a, a machine called Finale where they were trying to get these other like aliens to come in to kind of help them, but that ended up backfiring. Havoc ended up being a flop out there, basically. And, um, you know, Polaris is my girl, but she was riding for her man, so she was... I get it. <laughs> she was... <laughs> She was right there with her man. And um, after that, Vulcan is pretty much trying to expand the Shi'ar Empire. So he is going after the Kree Empire, which at that moment was being ran by Black Bolt. This is where we get the War of Kings story arc where Vulcan and Black Bolt have this big fight because the Shi'ar are going after the Kree. Now, as I had mentioned before, you know, Polaris is my girl. But at this point, she was like, this is getting a little too wild. <laughs> we need to leave. So, um, Polaris and Havoc like leave the war in the middle of the war and they go back to Earth. And, or at least they try to get back to Earth. They end up having some shenanigans where Rogue has to come and rescue them because the X-Men get back together or whatever. But during all of this, Vulcan is still having this big fight with uh, Black Bolt. And as people may have seen, they talk about Vulcan like basically being rescued from this other universe. And that's because during his fight with Black Bolt, there was such a big, massive fight. They tore a hole through the fabric of space and time and like they both fell through okay if you remember those pages of vulcan kind of just like floating in space and those earlier x-men issues and then like his eyes come back and he's like got his powers back again that was because of his fight with black bolt he was just like out of space and but he didn't die while he was over there we learn during the dawn of x era that like this they never i don't know if they ever even really said exactly who those aliens were but they like he basically like helped him get his like life back and mm -hmm. fixed him and they said you know you have this fire inside of you and whoever you're showing people on the outside isn't really like the real you it's this false identity and um one day they'll see the true persona back into you and then they send them back to his own universe now back in the present people are kind of worried about him because to them they saw him die now you're in this era of Krakoa where everyone's getting resurrected but like he never died yeah. So a lot of people may have thought that, oh, he died from the Krakoa era, his Krakoa era, back when he was a part of that original team going to help the X-Men because he was off in space doing all that crazy stuff. So on Krakoa, they think, oh, he died back in the day. We revived him. But really to him, he's like, no, I didn't die. This kind of really taps into the story that I really like for Vulcan, which is he doesn't want to feel forgotten. Yeah. And that's really been a big thing for him has been being forgotten when he he's the the third child of these very two famous x-men characters um i mean his oldest brother is like the x-men yeah. and that, that that itself casts a huge shadow on you even though he has actually ran an empire <laughs> and was a, an actual king for a while and if we're gonna be all the way honest he's the most powerful summer's brother so like 
Okay. <laughs> let's call let's call that what it is. <laughs> You've got to give him some things, and that one that one might be his. But at the same time, he isn't very in control of his like emotions and his and his mental state. Um, but I'm hoping we see more of what happens with him in the in X Men and how he goes forward. Now, my relaunch for him actually would be. He's had this really like tumultuous past with the X-Men and everything. And people kind of think he's mentally unstable. He's trying to like show people that he's a, he keeps muttering under his breath in X-Men red, like, like, Oh, is this the time? Is this the time? Because again, those aliens from that other universe said that there's going to be a time where you can reveal who you truly are. And he isn't sure like when that's going to happen. Um, I am sure that hammer is going to drop eventually. Um, but I think so far in X-Men Red, it's been an interesting case of of him no longer wanting to be forgotten and him like wanting to kind of cement himself somewhere. So my relaunch for him would actually be to give him his own, I don't want to necessarily say like a plot of land, but like a space on Araco. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds bad. But um, I would I would like to see Vulcan be given a chance to be an emperor, but under the, the like being monitored by the X-Men and give him a chance to see something and maybe let, you know, the people of Araka are people who prefer warriors and people who prefer like, you know, the Vulcan types. It would be interesting if there were like a sect of people who did rally behind him because I would love for him to actually become the new Callisto to Storm. I never need to see Callisto and Storm have knife fights again, but I do like that there was a kind of challenger to Storm. You know what I mean? That that Callisto kind of brought around, and I think making Vulcan that would make it a cool as hell. Because like those two powers <laughs> going against each other is just cool. But I think that there could be this respect kind of earned by Vulcan and like these lessons being taught by storm that i think would be really interesting for him especially in this like kind of galactic space that we are in now for Araco. so in this space do you see storm i mean not storm do you see vulcan getting his mental state under control and like kind of people looking at him like when is he going to snap again or is he always going to just kind of be the i'm giving maniacal and we're just watching him I would like to see him get it under control, but in his own way. Yeah. Um, we kind of saw in X-Men Red number two that Xavier just wanted to like mentally fix him <laughs> and was like, oh, be calm. Like, it's not going to be, it's going to be fine. I can just go in and psychically fix all the damage. And he's like, no, <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> I love so I did. Xavier. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I just think he is such He's a... really got to do whatever he wants to do. <laughs> not care. <laughs> so I did, and Xavier, like, I do wonder if that means, did everyone die in that instance when he blew everything up on Summer's house? Or was that? They say he destroyed the Summer house, didn't he? Yeah. Like I said, I skimmed the data page. I think he destroyed it. But I don't know if everyone died, like Xavier and uh, Scott. I don't think yeah. they died. Now that I think about it, because I'm thinking about how I kind of just like glazed over that data page, but the data pages don't hit for me the way they used to. Mm. 
I remember I was like is really, it? really into them in the beginning, and I like was always in suits like, oh, I gotta read everyone, and I gotta see it. And now I think like when they're on there, I'm just kind of like, oh, it's a data page. I'll get to, I'll read it again later, or like when I go back and read well, it. A lot of them have been huge like info dumps, yeah. <laughs> but like, but not in a way that is that it feels like a quote unquote data page. Mm-hmm. Recently, they've just been like long letters to people. You know what I mean? And then the letters have like some info within them, but previously it felt like those data pages would like, you know, map things out for you to kind of really get you enticed for what's to come. You got the sinister secrets and um, all the other like little tidbits that it's like, hey, you can kind of figure out this data page and get more information. But now it's like, yeah, somebody just wrote a letter to another one. Maybe I got to start paying attention again. Apparently that's how Patrick came back. I see, yeah. <laughs> you gotta read. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that he should get his mental state under control for himself and not um like forced upon him. Whatever that is, yeah. You know, whether that is him, I don't know. Do I don't you, know what it is. Did you like the Vulcan and Deathbird relationship? No. Oh, no. Okay. No. I liked it when she was with Bishop. That was high. <laughs> I don't really I didn't really like him with uh with Deathbird. Do you have anyone who you would like to kind of see him be paired with? Um not really actually. I never really think about I don't really ship too many of my favorite kind of characters really unless there's something that I can kind of see working for their stories. But like I don't really know not you propping the other people up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know who else I could I could really see him with, really. I mean, you know, eventually you got to give them a romantic interest. Exactly. You got to give them something. something I don't know. Latch on to. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a... Hey, it would be... No, that was about Petra? Mm-hmm. Or Sway? No. Or is that too cliche? Definitely. Like, you know, like, uh, oh, they're in the group together. I mean, you could make it Petra. That could follow like the whole, you know, Scott Jean, Havoc Lorna. Don't do that. <laughs> no, it's a little trend that happens. I'm just saying. Never mind. No, we don't need to do Petra. <laughs> we'll get back. We'll do some research and we'll figure out someone else. <laughs> but for right now, I have not thought about who we could put who could we could put Vulcan with. I'm not sure. Make it make it hot. No. But yeah, the relaunch. I, I, I like the idea of him having like his own little group of people who kind of worship him, so he has something to do. I like it under the aspect of him also trying to get like his mental state state under control and mm-hmm. how he deals with the people in that way and like trying to be better and like people kind of expecting the worst of him or like waiting for him to like pop off and he's just like, no, I've got it. Or even maybe like you said, how he was doing with the Shi'ar, kind of like playing it up that he's being crazy, but like really. He's behind the scenes and he's like, no, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I know exactly what I'm doing. People yeah. always, he's a very angry character, yeah. but I mean, he's just been through a lot. Like he was a slave when he <laughs> was a kid. He's, a he's kind of a tragic character. Mm-hmm. Very tragic. And it would be nice to see him get some kind of like positive growth. It doesn't have to be nice and, you know, yeah. gay, let's all be these. I think you he can get something. Him? Do you want him to be closer with Scott now? Like, and 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 Storm needs somebody to fight. That'd be hot. So she does. And I I like the idea of him being her Callisto. I think that's like a really good call out right there. Um so. mm-hmm. 
do you, I mean, he still loses, but you know, does, um, do you want him to be yeah. close with Scott and Alex? Uh, no, I don't, I like that they have, I like the relationship they have now where it's like, they're all brothers. Yeah. Um, and they like pick on each other, especially when uh, Scott came up recently and was like, you know, um, we were going over things and like fixing Cerebro with the the feels that Wanda fixed and everything. You know, we brought back uh, Thunderbird while you were drunk. So I do appreciate that they like you know have those those brotherly quips and stuff. But I don't need them to be like the three amigos. Um, yeah, I think I would like uh, shout out to Marvel Unlimited because the way they've been doing those X Men Unlimited stories and kind of focusing on the side characters and stuff like that has been really cool. I think I think it's a great series. I think that would be a great space to do like a summer's brother like road trip type of story where you get Havoc walking yeah. together or maybe like if you get a plot of land they can go visit and he's like okay let me give you guys the tour and we just like get them doing stuff because I think I would yeah. like to see a little bit more of that I feel like he and Scott's relationship is interesting because he went to go save Scott he died then Scott forgot so like Scott probably has like a feeling of responsibility, especially being the oldest. Whereas with Havoc, it was like no, he watched him kill their dad, and they were very tense and they were fighting. Yes. Um, so it's like that whole dynamic just seems very. They don't like each other, <laughs> but I think that like Scott probably does have you know like the older brother kind of thing for him. He watched him die. Yeah. Well, <laughs> before Xavier took that memory from him. <laughs> that wasn't necessary. <laughs> <laughs> He could have just left it at he watched him die. <laughs> yeah. It's the telepaths. <laughs> I like it. It's the telepaths. Nasty. But yeah, that is my relaunch for Vulcan. Um, let me guys let me know what you guys think of him, especially within uh what's going on with him now, how you like his powers, um, and the character overall. All right, that brings us to the end of the show. Oh, make sure you guys catch us next week where we'll be doing a rewatch of the new Catwoman animated movie, which I guess is actually Young Justice adjacent. Like, it's like... Is it? Not canon. Yeah, that's what the um, writers and stuff have said, that it's like... I think some of the Young Justice characters may appear in the movie. Um, so it's like Young Justice adjacent. Okay. And we were watching uh, Catwoman Hunted. Yes, it is on HBO Max. If you have yep. that, be sure to check like the socials and all those things when we watch this. We'll be tweeting along as usual. But it's Catwoman. It's Selena. I've, I haven't heard anything about it, so I'm going. I actually, fun fact, I met the voice actress once at a oh. film festival here. She was really nice. That's really exciting. Okay, good. She was, I'm, was, really, she was really nice. Yeah. Um, I think it was it was the I'm blanking on her name. Apologize. I'm apologies. Do you remember um the thank you next video? Yeah. The one who played um who played a oh, homegirl from Lindsay Lohan. She played Lindsay Lohan? She oh, played in the Thank You Next video. Mean yes, Girl. from the Mean Girl stuff. Yeah. Oh, uh, Elizabeth Giles. Yes. There we go. She's going to be um, oh, okay. the voice of Catwoman. Oh, I like her a lot. Yeah. I'm really excited. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So check us out next week when we'll be talking about Catwoman Hunted. And if you want to, please definitely also make sure you rate and subscribe us wherever you got your podcast. We really appreciate all of the feedback. Thank you so much for all the positive feedback about the new format and keeping us up to date on everything going on in the comic book world. Really appreciate that. Um, so you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Another Relaunch. Um, you can find us on YouTube if you want to watch us at Uncanny. I'm sorry, <laughs> Another Relaunch TV. You can find me on most social media platforms at UncannyLZ. Keenan, where can they find you? You guys know you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Keenan Lance. As always, there's an underscore at the end. Boom. All right, let's get up out of here, and we will catch y'all next week. Peace. Peace out.